This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Everything's good. Welcome to Wrexham is a documentary currently airing on FX that documents the takeover from Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhinney of Wrexham AFC, which is a team trying to get into the English Football League out of Wales. So today I'm joined by Humphrey Kerr, who is the executive director at Wrexham AFC, but he doesn't necessarily have a background in the beautiful game. So Humphrey, my first question for you is, how do you go from being someone that started in comedy, radio shows, stand-up, things like that, to now being the executive director of a team, like I said, trying to get into the top four uh, divisions in uh, in the United Kingdom, or I should say in uh, England and Wales? Uh, yeah, well, so, I mean, if anyone uh, wants to sort of try and follow this this course uh, that I've taken, then my advice is, um, you know, you get a job as a, as a TV writer on a, an Apple TV show. Um, my one was Mythic Quest, but I'm sure any Apple TV show uh, would, would work. And um, slowly but surely bombard the showrunner and creator of that show, Rob McElhenney, with with uh, low-level amounts of kind of pro-football agenda or pro-soccer agenda, um, watching games during my lunch break, um, playing uh, soccer uh, as, I, as I do out, out here. Um, so every Friday night, I would sort of go into my office and then come out transformed into a fat middle-aged man in, in various bits of Liverpool kit uh, <laughs> to go play with my friends. And, um, you know, he was always kind of lightly interested. And then uh, then what you need is a global pandemic so that so that your showrunner boss is uh, bouncing off the walls of his of his house and looking for somewhere else to, to put his energy into. And I then got him to watch the documentary Sunderland Till I Die. And that kind of was a, a vital breakthrough because it, it kind of it, it, it gave him a very quick crash course in the culture of, of particularly English football fandom. And what it means to the fans and how it differs strangely, you know, from a lot of American fandom, which is which is glorious and wonderful in its own ways for, for traditional American sports, I should say, rather than for soccer. You know, football fans, baseball fans, basketball fans each have their own wonderful, unique culture. But you often find that people are all three. You know, they are they are a huge, um, uh, say, um, Bears fan. And then they are also a Bulls fan and they're also a Cubs fan. And they kind of split their love three ways in many ways. And in, in English football, you know, it tends to be 
football is the sport. Like that is the one that everyone really cares about. They have a passing interest in cricket or rugby or or baseball or, or American football or whatever it may be. But but soccer football is their game. And Rob Rob was enamored. He saw the point of it, and he being a maniac rather than saying, "All oh, right, I should support a team." He was like, "I should, I want to buy a team." Uh, and so I was charged with finding one, and uh, and Wrexham was the team that we came up with. Yeah, I actually have Sunderland Till I Die here in my notes. That's kind of funny that you use that as inspiration to get involved with Wrexham, but you just mentioned it. Uh, Rob kind of said, I want to be involved with the game, maybe buy a team. And I'm curious, because the documentary is such an integral part of Wrexham and the takeover, mm-hmm. I'm, just what came first, the desire for Ryan and Rob to to buy Wrexham or was the documentary more of the driving force behind the takeover into uh, for Wrexham? It was team first. Like it was, it was very much, we want to, you know, we, this looks so exciting. What a thing to be part of. And I think when Rob discovered, you know, what kind of levels of investment were required at, at the national league level, he suddenly was like, Oh, I could, you know, I could do this. Uh, and this is, this is, this is actually feasible. And, he then went um, not long thereafter, after we had decided this is the thing he wanted to do, he was like, well, th- this already on its on its surface is a crazy story. And, and perhaps we could, you know, try and do a reverse Sunderland until I die and and start with a team that's low and, and go high rather than a team that is dropping down the leagues. And unfortunately for Sunderland, they're now heading back up the leagues, which is great and good for their fans. And I hope they'll do another series where, where we get to see them actually enjoy themselves. <laughs> For once, um, with all the love in the world, uh, but yeah, Rob's Rob's feeling was like, oh, we can do a kind of a positive, uh, you know, uh, upward trajectory uh, version of this, and um, so he went and talked to uh, the folks at FX who who've done his show. It's always sunny in Philadelphia for seventeen years or whatever it is, and said, hey, I've got this idea, and Ryan came about actually after that process because he was initially contacted by Rob as a potential sponsor of the club. You know, he's got lots of businesses and Rob had kind of talked to him, you know, they, they were, they were uh, Instagram friends, but I don't think they'd ever met in real life. In fact, I know they hadn't met in real life uh, and you see their actual meeting on the documentary um, and, and sent him a message saying, Hey, do you want to, would, would aviation gin or mint mobile or something like that be interested in being a front of shirt sponsor. And, you know, he sent that message kind of quite late at night, as one often does when you're sliding into the DMs of a celebrity um, <laughs> uh, and uh, woke up the next morning to a message from Ryan back being like, hey, here's my phone number. Call me. I, I don't want to sponsor the team. I want to do I want to do it with you if you're interested. So, um, yeah, it was it, it this is a very long winded answer to your question about something I die and, and, and what came first. But, yes, it was team first and then and then documentary and then Ryan Reynolds, the traditional so how did they settle on Wrexham? Was it just the opportunity was there? Was it uh, maybe cost of entry for teams above that was a little too high? Or was the fit just perfect? Because I know Rob talked about how it reminded him a lot of his hometown, Philadelphia. So was it more of the culture? Or was it just that was a team that screamed, hey, we're ready to be bought. How about you do it? So my my big sort of role at the start of this was Rob saying, OK, which team should we buy? Which I, I had no idea. I was a Premier League fan uh, and I, you know, I, I would say as with many Premier League football fans, my knowledge of Premier League was very good and Championship was OK. And then League One was not great and League Two was terrible. And then everything below that, I had no idea, really. So I made a matrix, very unsophisticated little document that was... Basically, I think we had about eight teams uh, that I had investigated with any degree of of uh, seriousness. 
And there were different categories, which they were scored out of 10. Um, so fandom was one, uh, geographical placement was one. You know, we didn't, we knew that if, if we were getting a team that was in the outskirts of Manchester, you were going to be competing with so many other um, big, popular, populous clubs nearby. So we wanted someone that was a little bit further away from any of those kind of big powerhouses and all sorts of things. And Wrexham basically came top of that score. Uh, they got 38 out of 50. The thing they scored badly on was facilities, which they got a very, very low score on because the, the race course ground is amazing, but we didn't own it um, uh, and we didn't have our own training ground and all sorts of things like that. So they scored very highly. And, and I then kind of passed that information on to Rob um, and Ryan because Ryan could kind of border the, the project by that stage. And they both very quickly were kind of enchanted by Wrexham. You know, I think it 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 was, as you say, Rob truly you know, very early on was like, this is wild because I'm just looking at pictures of this on Google images and it, it just looks strangely familiar to me. Um, and there is a big kind of Welsh connection to Philadelphia. Um, you know, there's Bryn Mawr College and stuff there. It's, it's, it has a traditional Welsh heritage. And um, yeah, it just, it just very quickly, all, all these things fell into place. The fact that it was fan owned, the fact that the fans didn't want all they wanted was for the club to invest for the new owners to invest into the club rather than to to pay them a bunch of money to give up the uh, the the um the club you know some of the other ones we looked at were in private ownership so it would be a case of saying right we've got to pay this person x million pounds and then we get to start the project well the 2 million pounds that the Rex and supporters trust uh, asked us for was immediately spent on the team by us so it was it was all these things combined. It just it just was perfect. It was a match made in heaven. How much do you have a role? Do you think the idea of promotion and relegation had in Rob and Ryan's takeover of Wrexham? Because it's something that's not familiar to a lot of American sports fans. And I mean, they're new soccer fans. And I'm sure that the, the whole concept is kind of outlandish to them. The fact that even if you're successful in a season, you might not get promoted. So how much of an, an impact do you think that had in their takeover? And my, kind of a follow-up to that is, without promotion and relegation, do you think the, a program like Welcome to Wrexham would have ever been produced and put together? Um, so it's a huge part of, of the reason why they got interested. There's no question, because because it's it's the, the prospect that you could take a fifth-tier club and make it a first-tier club, um, or vice versa, but we, we are aiming to, to do the former was everything i mean that that you know lots of people tweeted us over the course of the last two years or tweeted rob and ryan being like why like why on earth haven't you bought the white caps or or like couldn't you have done this with a you know with a usl team or or uh or whatever it may be uh in the us and truth be told i mean the whole draw of this in a way was that idea of of visibly upgrading a, uh, a you know a sports program and a, a a team and and a town alongside that because you know having a Premier League town team in your town is worth you know millions and millions of pounds to the local economy a year uh, in terms of kind of foot traffic and tourism and and whatever it may be and just you know construction work I mean the the the, the money that we have put into local businesses has been terrific it's been such an exciting part of this is that we are. You know, wherever possible, we've tried to do all our make as much of our our construction work and stuff done with local businesses and local architects and local whatever it may be. So, you know, promotion relegation, I know, is not a big thing in American sport. And I do think I, I, I am a big U.S. sports fan. I love it. I think it is it's a shame. 
it's a shame that you can't, you know, because ultimately the very simplest way of putting it is it stops people tanking their season for draft picks because you can't afford to. You tank your season, you'll drop out of the league and you'll go, you'll go down, be less money, less crowd. Like it's just a problem. So it means that every game matters. Everybody is fighting for everything. And being part of a relegation battle is in many respects as exciting, albeit not as fun as being part of a promotion drive. You know, it's uh, it matters. Humphrey, just I'm curious what your responsibilities are with Wrexham AFC. It's one thing to say I'm the executive director, but for someone looking in from the outside, can you just kind of talk about what you do with the club and what you have been able to do at Wrexham over the last couple of years? Yeah, so I'm I sit on the board with Rob and Ryan, and I my job is to kind of liaise between them and the football club. So often what that means is that I my job is to sort of translate Hollywood into football and football into Hollywood. So there are things that Rob and Ryan want to achieve and they charge me with those things. And I then then uh, kind of oversee the the um, implementation of those things on the part of Fleur Robinson, our CEO, or, or Sean Harvey, our, our strategic advisor to the board. Um, and similarly, uh, you know, there are things that come up from the football club where they're like, can we do this? Can we do that? We would like this. We would like that. And my job is to is to field those, and you know where where possible, I am able to kind of furnish people who are like, yes, let's do that. Like I approve this, I approve that. Don't worry about it, let's do it. And then certain things go above my pay grade, and they go up to Robin Ryan, and it's a case of saying, what do you want? And you know, in some respects, I'm like their sort of yes, their representative on the ground. I mean, I I split my time between LA and Wrexham, but I I probably spend about six months of the year in Wrexham, and six months of the year here. And whilst there, you know, I am, yes, I'm there sort of man on the ground. So I, I will be, um, you know, a, a, a conduit even for, you know, the, say the local council or, or Welsh government or whoever it may be to come to me um, if they want stuff um, from Robin Ryan or if they're, if they're offering things to us. Um, and so, yeah, it's kind of a, at the start, it was a very hands-on role because we, we had such a small number of staff that I sort of was doing all sorts of things around ticketing and, uh, uh, you know, concourses and goodness knows what. But as time has gone on, as we've added more people to the team, um, you know, it has become a more of a sort of oversight role, really. I mean, one of the biggest things I, I can do is that I, I, I legally can commit the club to things. So, um, you know, if things need signing on behalf of the football club, uh, if, if we come to agreements or, or arrangements, it's usually me that signs it. Um, uh, it you know, whether it's a, whether it's a transfer or a, um, uh, you know, piece of sponsorship or whatever it may be. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. For one thing that you just said that I found interesting was that you translate Hollywood into football and, and vice versa. For me, looking in, because I follow soccer, I follow soccer my entire life, but for someone else that's new new to the sport and they're using Welcome to Wrexham as, as a chance to learn about the game, especially the lower parts of the pyramid, how important do you think the show is to spread the knowledge of the game, especially the, the ins and outs that aren't just you win, you get points, you lose, you don't get points. But more things like promotion or the, the challenge of these professional players that aren't making millions and millions of dollars a year. How important is the show to just kind of tell the entire story of English soccer? Well, I've been really excited by how how well the show has gone down. It, it, it's it's designed to be quite um, uh, um, uh, non-expert facing. Shall I shall I say that? I mean, I'm sure I, I don't know whether you watched the first few episodes, but there's probably lots of lots of bits in there where you, as someone who follows soccer, is like, yes, yes, right, I, yeah, we know you get promoted, you get relegated, however, maybe. But I've been so excited by like just the, the sheer volume of people on Twitter or on on you know coming onto our. Uh, YouTube channel onto our highlights and things being like, oh, I've never really been into soccer, but I, I'm starting to sort of see the point of it. And that's something that I, I'm really glad about it in, in the same way that, you know, Sunderland Till I Die acted as a kind of, um, what was I say red pill, but that's terrible, uh, mm -hmm. um, terrible connotations, but it acted as a kind of Rosetta Stone, let's put it that way, for Rob to to understand the culture of football. And I think with, with Welcome to Wrexham is even more, of a of a primer of a kind of introductory hey and I think as the course of the season goes on I mean I was just watching the um uh, I've just been sent a cut of the final episode of the season to look through because another one of my jobs is to go oh you've got this person's name wrong or like make sure you understand this this context of this um and uh or actually a lot of it is um these subtitles are wrong <laughs> you've uh, <laughs> you don't understand this person's accent um I, I will correct that um and you know, but as the season goes on, it becomes more just like, OK, you understand you're up to speed now. This is you. it gets deeper into the kind of culture of football and the town and the people. And, um, you know, that's something that I'm excited about. I'm excited about a second season where it is more just more more depth, more. We can we people know who these characters are. They understand what the world is and we can just kind of dig in in an even deeper way. On the topic of culture, you said you spend about six months or so a year in Wrexham. Uh, as an Englishman, are there any culture shocks that you had? I mean, for us, it's like, oh, it's a small distance going from England to Wales. But were there any culture shocks that you had living and working in Wrexham with the club? Well, the UK as a whole is is extraordinarily um, sort of culturally, uh, um, uh, it's a patchwork of different places. And I mean, really 40 miles drive in the UK is enough to be in a completely different uh, um, accent and uh, dialect and this, that and the other. And that's the same across England, Scotland, Wales um, and Northern Ireland. Um, and I think it applies to Ireland as well, but they're obviously not part of the UK. Um, but the, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I listen, I loved it. I was made to feel very welcome from the jump. I mean, there is traditionally antipathy between between Welsh, the Welsh people and, and England. They don't, the Welsh people don't care for England very much. Uh, I maybe helped my mother is Welsh as well. So 
Um, I've, I'm sort of eligible, I think, to play for any of the home nations. Um, uh, strangely, I never got the call up, but um, I, I uh, you know, I, I found it. We have been welcomed with open arms, which is which has been incredible. I think because people pretty quickly worked out that what we were there for was what they would have wanted us to be there for, which was to create a successful football team um, that is a feather in the cap for the community. So. Um, my Welsh is is not great. I've picked up about four or five phrases, and that's about it. Um, but fortunately, everyone there is very clever, and so if they speak Welsh, they speak English very well as well. So they they humour me and switch to English when required. Um, and um, yeah, it's it's we couldn't have asked for a better welcome, really. I want to ask you about subtitles because the the accent is so strong there, especially for an American that's watching the show. Uh, were there any like hesitations as to using subtitles or was it one of those things where you know we're just trying to show the culture we should might as well just uh have people learn about what's going on let's use subtitles or maybe there were thoughts that you said you know maybe we should just you know throw them into the deep end throw the audience into the deep end and have them try and figure it out for themselves i think uh i mean to be honest with you i i wasn't really privy to those discussions about about uh the uh, about subtitling i mean it's something that just like i mean my wife put subtitles on everything we watch on telly even with american accents she she is from michigan she's just like oh i you know just i like having the subtitles there just for, for whatever reason so i think it's funny because uh, i know there's been much de hot debate on Wrexham twitter about who has been subtitled and who hasn't and uh, and where they uh, where they um uh, i think it's a source of pride actually to be subtitled people please they've got you know they they are displaying a full <laughs> thick Scouse a Liverpool accent or or North Walian accent or whatever it is because because that's the other thing is that lots of the people you're hearing from are our fans are almost all from Wales but the team is from all over the place I mean they are there's there's Londoners and Scotsmen and Irishmen and all sorts really I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about uh, TV and streaming rights because that's a lot of what we talk about here mm -hmm. at World Soccer Talk and I know Ryan Reynolds has been super vocal about the fact that he wants the opportunity to broadcast games in the U.S. so people can follow them, but at the time, the league is saying no just because of the contracts that they have with BT Sport for domestic and international viewers. But I'm curious, do you feel that he's made any headway in that, maybe for the future and coming seasons, that fans in the United States will have better uh, ease of access to watch Wrexham games? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, it's something that we've been we've been talking to the National League about since from the m moment we took over. We've been trying to persuade them that, like, this is a thing, you know, and we took over during the COVID period where where games were streamable. You know, they, they no one was out in stadiums and, and allowances were made for, for teams to stream their games. Um, and it's something that we're very keen to pursue because, you know, I moved over here uh, to the U.S. about 10, 12 years ago uh, and was blown away by how accessible all sport was on TV or on Twitter, on the highlights, the highlights are immediately available. You know, I, I like the Boston Red Sox. I follow the Red Sox in, uh, on Twitter or their Instagram, you know, during the game, there is, the, I will get a tweet like here's, here's a home run. Here's a watch this little bit of this, that, and the other. Um, and in the UK, we're still very cautious about that. We're very, very protective of it. And I, I have to say, having grown up in that culture, I don't mind it. I kind of love listening to games on the radio. I, 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 it reminds me of my childhood is very enjoyable, but our feeling is that just moving forward, there is just a huge opportunity like anything for, to grow the, to grow the brand of the nationally, to grow 
awareness and interest. And, you know, for us, the, the, the proposals we put forward, we were like, look, this isn't about money. We'll, we'll broadcast the games for free if you want. Or if people are going to pay, we'll remit that money directly to the National League and they can disperse it around the other the other teams. It's not about that. We just want more people watching games. And we're getting so many messages now from people saying they want to watch the game uh, that it just seems a shame that fans can't, you know, and, and that's not taking into account the the many, many Wrexham fans who now live around the world, who've, who've left Wrexham and moved to New Zealand or Australia or uh, Abu Dhabi or wherever it may be, or um, Canada or the US. Um, and they can't, you know, there's no way for them to watch the games uh, legally. Um, I mean, there's, it's I, I think it's difficult to watch Wrexham games illegally because they're 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 not really filmed or broadcast anywhere. So it's not like you can you can sneak on and watch the the French version of of the Wrexham game. Now our hope is to get get promoted this season, and um, we'll be into League Two, and then that changes the the rules there are different. So you know the National League is just disadvantaged in comparison to the rest of of uh, of English football. Yeah, I want to ask you about promotion in regards to the documentary. If Wrexham don't get promoted, then, you know, that's, that's we, we all hope that they get promoted because we're all pretty much Wrexham fans now. Um, but if Wrexham don't get promoted to League Two, how likely is it that there will not be a season three of Welcome to Wrexham? I don't know that that's tied directly to promotion. I mean, like, again, if you watch this season of the documentary, you know, what everyone is watching right now and thankfully seems to be really enjoying is us in the national league. You know, that is that it's us going into league two. It's vital for the football club. I don't know how vital it is for the documentary to be completely honest. I I, I don't know. I mean, listen, we all want, especially as I said, having, well, I don't want to give any spoilers about how the rest of the season goes for, for people that haven't watched it, but you know, our, our objective is we would like to end season two with a lovely uh, party, um, a lovely promotion party. Um, and that would be a nice way to end every season of the show. But, but uh, you know, ultimately, it's it's up to the powers that be at Fox and Disney. And, and that is dependent on how many people are watching, really. I mean, I think that's sort of how tends to be how these things go. Humphrey, I'll wrap up with this question. Uh, in your time with Wrexham and being involved with the documentary, what is the, I'm going to ask you two things. The first one is, what have you enjoyed the most about being involved with Wrexham? Mm. And the second one is, what have you learned, maybe just in terms of profession, but maybe also learned to enjoy? So the thing I've enjoyed the most is, no question, is the times where people come up to me in the kind of club car park or in town or in Sainsbury's in the supermarket or whatever it may be and just sort of say thank you because they these are people that love that I mean the, the club was on the verge of dying and, and it, it was it was this kind of stroke of luck that we that we came along when we did because I think there was a real danger that the club would have gone semi-professional and then it just would have continued to spiral Having that great, enormous, wonderful old stadium was a huge uh, uh, is a huge bonus to us, but was kind of a huge millstone to the previous owners who didn't have the finances to maintain it, and uh, and they were paying rent on it and all this kind of thing, and it was just slowly killing the club to a certain extent. So the best thing has been just like interacting with people in town who are so thrilled to have their football club back in a way i mean and they not that they ever didn't have it but that it now is a place of optimism and excitement and seeing all the kids in town wearing wrexham jerseys rather than liverpool and manchester city jerseys and feeling like oh yeah we we're we're, we're on the up again that that's been really wonderful in terms of things i've learned um 
it's just been so interesting crossing the kind of the velvet rope from fan to to executive because you understand that so many of the things that we as fans assume or take for granted about football clubs are actually kind of not necessarily the case um uh you know the the, the kind of humanization of the players has been fascinating it's it's also you know the number of times i see you know we'll put out a team sheet on a saturday and people are like why like why on earth aren't they playing this guy? Like, are they out of their, their minds? They're idiots. Why can't they see what everyone else can see? And you're like, well, because he's injured. I know he's injured. Like, we don't announce every injury or talk about everything. Or we know that in the last game, he ran four kilometers more than he does normally. And so we know he's going to be gassed. So he's, he's sitting out for a week. And I know that as a Liverpool fan over the years, I have been very susceptible to being like, this this is just baffling. It's like, well, you don't have all the information. <laughs> so I think one of the things that I'm learning from it is I am going to try in the future to be more patient about uh, about my interactions with sort of um, institutions in the wider world and uh, and not just sort of assume I know everything because I, I know some things. Well, uh, Humphrey, as a viewer, it's been a lot of fun to watch uh, your adventure and Rexham's adventure over the last couple of years. And like I said, we're all rooting for them to get promoted. And uh, it is a, a lot of fun to watch both the, the soccer and the documentary itself. Oh, well, thank you. Yep, so uh, uh, welcome to Wrexham. It airs every Wednesday on uh, FX. You can also watch that on demand. Humphrey, I want to thank you for doing this and uh, look forward to watching the next episode in a week's time. Uh, thank you for having me. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.